Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Uh, I hope you don't lose sight, uh, for those of us who've been here for a little while, how significant it is to get to be part of a church where in a given week, we've got 26 missionaries around the world, we've got our own doctors and nurses going down to undeveloped parts of the world, giving medical care to people who couldn't, and simultaneously, we've got more than 607 kids, middle schoolers, and high schoolers who were at our summer camps across Three camps. I'll show you a few pictures of that. And uh, one of the things that thrilled my heart was learning about 27 uh, who gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. Can we celebrate that? I mean, think about that number 607 kids and students across three camps, and every single one of them incredibly. Uh, incredible moments with God for our young people of all ages. And I want to just tell you one of them. As we move through the pictures, you're going to see some pictures of about 50 of our high school students who went down to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for an event called R3. And I want you to know about this because if you've been here for a while, you know our vision, uh, which is to amplify Jesus online and globally. We've got thousands of people with us every weekend online. We've got our missionaries around the world. Another keystone of our vision is to raise the strongest generation. We're aware that our young people are growing up in a world where they're just flooded with data and information and much of it very confusing about who they are and what they should believe and what is right and what is wrong. And so as a church, we've gone all in to raise the strongest generation. And what that means is we continue to strengthen and bolster our already dynamic kids and student ministries. But those of you who've been here have given over and above through a vision called Greater Things and Momentum for something called Youth Worldview. This is helping our young people, especially our middle school and high school students, understand here's what I believe as a Christian, here's why I believe it in the Bible, here's why it's my identity, and when someone, maybe a future college professor or a classmate or a future coworker, challenges my beliefs or maybe misunderstands me and tells me that I'm bigoted or closed-minded or narrow-minded, I've been prepared through the Youth Worldview Initiative to be able to not only be assured of my faith, but be able to lovingly explain my faith to others. And so part of that uh, is a hire of two people we've hired over the summer. And the picture here is, I call him Dr. Zach. You guys will meet him later. He's got a PhD in what's called apologetics, which is the whole study of how do you give a defense of the Christian faith. Uh, but Dr. Zach, his whole emphasis is helping high school and college students be able to know their faith and give a defense of it. So this last week, while we had missionaries down on the Amazon River and our own doctors and nurses were down there, uh, we had about 50 of our high school students spending a full week with Dr. Zach and a bunch of our other staff, our amazing high school pastor, Tony Regato. Can we give a shout out to Tony Regato? Come on. Woo. These high schoolers spent the week um, asking and answering really hard questions about some of the moral issues of our day doing it in an environment that's appropriate for them to all be believers, gathered around the word of God. And my heart just leapt as I saw pictures of these high school students with their Bibles open and they're taking notes to know who they are in Christ, what their identity is, to know how to be loving and kind to people who aren't Christians and, and maybe disagree with us, but we're here to lead them to Jesus. And you guys, for me, this vision has been about four years in the making and we've been slowly, gradually improving in our kids and students ministry just day after day, week after week, month after month. But I think we've hit a breakthrough now as we're formally adding these additional youth worldview components. They're going to be in the summer. They're going to be at fall break, spring break, Christmas break. There's going to be other modules that go throughout the school year. I'm not going to spend our whole morning talking about it, but I just had to share it with you because I'm just super excited. 
Um, my wife and I and my kids, we got to travel back to California recently. We spent about five years in the Bay Area there, San Francisco area. Before God called us here, we served at a church there. And uh, interacting with families there um, and being aware some of the moral and social challenges of our country are a little more pronounced there than here. And seeing the difference even just in the last four and a half years of how aggressive some of these things are uh, being forced on young people around the country, um, I returned home with just more motivation than ever uh, to serve our young people by helping them know who they are in Christ. And so I just want to say thank you as a church. I hope you know uh, among churches and large churches around the country, um, we're the only one I know of that's doing this this way. And I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back, but I want to say it as a thank you to all of you. Uh, we see that the odds are against our young people in this society. Uh, suicide rates are way up. Um, so many dangerous behaviors and activities are just way up statistically. And I'm just grateful to get to raise my kids in a movement um, where we're investing our time and our treasure and our effort um, to give every resource we can to our young people. So, okay, that's not supposed to be my message. I better, uh, <laughs> I better get back to my notes here, but... Thank you, guys. That's why we moved here, to be part of a movement that so values the next generation. And um, I don't pretend that we've got it all together, but God's bringing us amazing people, both staff and lay people and young people who are just incredible. And I, I think the future with Christ um, is just huge. You know, Jesus said in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And sometimes we look at culture and society and the world and we see evil and confusion and hatred and division, um, but Jesus promised he will prevail over all of that. And as long as we keep him the head of our church, I'm not the head of our church, Jesus is, and as long as we keep his word our guide, and as long as we look to his spirit to be our power, uh, we will see the fulfillment of that promise that Christ, he will prevail, the gates of hell will not prevail against him. All right, well, uh, to transition, here's a picture of my girls uh, playing in a creek when we were out there in California, and I just wanted to say on that, thank you to the high school and middle school students who served. One of the beautiful things about the model here uh, is when my elementary age daughters were at Camp Allendale, their camp counselors were two of our high school girls, and every year that happens, and, and it just thrills my heart to see my daughters get to be spiritually led by young women who are just a few years older than them who love Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you to all of you who've served in so many different ways. Here we are visiting California. I just want to tell you um, a story. So when, when we served at the church out there, there's a family at that church that invites us back every year to a thing called family camp at a camp in California. And uh, while we were there, they split up the adults and kids in the day, and the kids have kids stuff, and the adults have pretty much church, like five days in a row, two church services, one in the morning, one at night. And I tell you all that because um, at the end, the adults were kind of sharing, here's what God has taught me this week. Uh, and I was so moved during the time, it actually brought me to tears. You guys would be so proud of me. I didn't say a word. I just sat and listened. It was so nice to just be there and receive and sit and listen uh, and do I have dreams of us finding a family camp, maybe up in Michigan, that we can do in future years? I do, but stay tuned. I have yet to even tell the team that we hope to do that. But, <laughs> but I was sitting there, and I was hearing how God had worked in all these different families, and the common theme is pain and struggle. We all have it. We all have it. I mean, you have pain and struggle in your life right now, and we heard from a family who had lost a child, and they experienced God. We heard from... Uh, a mom who's an empty nester, and they just sold the childhood home that all the kids had grown up in, and one of her adult kids is estranged from her, and, and God met with her. And then I heard from this guy, I'm going to show you a little video, I, I just pulled my phone out and started recording because I was so moved by what was happening. This is a guy uh, who's a dad, he's got two kids and a wife, and he actually has a brain tumor, uh, and, and apart from some really radical miracle, you know, his days on earth are very numbered. And he described how um, they got invited to this camp, and he was driving to the camp, and he's in a place as a follower of Jesus where he has peace that he knows when his body wears out, um, he'll wake up in heaven. He has total peace about his 
mortality through his relationship with Jesus. But he shared that he's, he's just been in this place of angst and even anger because he loves his wife and kids so much and he's concerned who's going to care for them. And, and it was this really unique thing because the microphone was being passed around and when it got to this guy, at first I didn't know he had a brain tumor and he just kept stuttering. And I didn't know why he was stuttering and then eventually we realized he's stuttering because of this brain tumor. And I want you to hear as he explains his condition, his fear, but then the way that God showed up and has given him peace, not only about where he's going to go, but peace that God's going to provide for his family. I can't fully capture it, so go ahead and listen to him for yourself. Take a look. And so was the thought that God was enough for me, but my, my kids need me instead of my kids need God. Um, and, and so when I listened to that song, it just struck me. I was like, God is working in their life too. Um, and even if I'm out of the picture, God's not. <laughs> uh, um, and, and so for me, the, the, uh, uh, this week, it's just been kind of a renewal thing of just being reminded, God is working in a lot of people's lives. God, God is building up a lot of testimonies, a lot of stories. Uh, he's, he's giving people a lot of uh, uh, thoughts to develop resources. And, 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 and my family has access to a wonderful community that, that, that can help them get, uh, uh, keep their eyes on Christ. And, uh, so thank you. Thank you all for that. I'm not sure if you, if you fully captured what happened there. This guy is aware that he's going to die. He's processed that he has peace for himself. And, and somehow in this week of just a lot of scripture and worship, by the end of it, he says, I'm in a place where I realize I came into this week thinking my wife and kids need me. And now I realize they need God. And I can actually trust God that if, if he takes me home, before I want to go home, he's going to provide for them. Now, I don't know about you, but being fully just real, I don't know how I could possibly be in that place. You know what I mean? Like there are certain situations that a piece like that, that's supernatural. I mean, only God could do that. I don't pretend that I could be like that. I just wonder for you, you know, this guy shared as I was driving the family to camp, here's where I lacked peace. I wonder for you, where do you lack peace right now? Where is it for you right now that you're just like, you know, I love God, I trust God, I have peace up to this certain point, but man, there's this other thing and I'm just like, why God? You know, I hope you know there's things like that in my life too, like, Why? You know why? Sometimes I look at the national church in the U.S. and mistakes that are made by leaders or other things. And it's just like, why? Like, why? Why are you letting this happen? And I wonder right now, would you just, would you open up that area of your life that just doesn't make sense? Open up the area just between you and God, the area where you're, what you're experiencing is the opposite of peace. What's the opposite of peace? Anger. Frustration disillusionment, disbelief. I want to encourage and remind you today that those emotions are universal among people of God. That amazing man you just saw in the video, he's had them. He's probably having them again today. I have them. Paul, the apostle who we've been studying, he felt those things. I've really been praying for you guys this week because this is the the fourth week in this series, I Choose Peace, and we're wrapping it up today. And uh, Ron has brought us just incredible principles from God's word. And uh, week one, I think we were able to learn some really practical things. And in this week, as we wrap this up, I, I really want to dig into that kind of least peaceful area of your life. The one where it would be the most impossible for God to bring peace. And I just want to ask you right now to open that area and, and invite God to speak to you today. And as I've been praying for you and really dwelling on this, one of the realizations I had as I've studied peace throughout scripture is that we've got to very carefully define it that peace is not merely a feeling. Peace is a state of being. 
So you could be being wheeled into surgery and not be feeling like, yay, I'm going into surgery. And yet you could still be in your being at peace in your spirit, in your inner person. That's very much what we saw in this man. I mean, his body's not at peace. It's got cancer. His mind is constantly thinking of how are my wife and kids going to be provided for, and yet his being, from focusing on God's word, God's promises, and worship, was in a place of peace. Where in your life would you like to experience God's peace today? And think big. I mean, you know, don't just say like, well, you know, some little, little thing. I mean the big stuff. Where in your life would you like to experience God's peace? And I believe there are some truths in the word of God today that can help you experience God's peace in that area, uh, perhaps as you never have before, because I think you're going to hear some things today around peace that you've never heard before that are from the word of God. Now, here's the context of where we are in scripture, Philippians 4 We've seen Paul last week as Ron preached these verses. He said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So whether the circumstances are cancer, financial loss, broken dreams, estranged relationships, someone who I'm praying for that they would turn to God and they haven't, yet no matter what the circumstances are, Paul says, I've learned to be content. And Ron did a good job of teaching us this. I have learned is a process. So here's one of the most spiritual people of all time. And he says, it's been a process and I haven't fully arrived, but I have learned enough that I'm in a place where, for Paul, whether I'm in prison or free, whether people, a whole mob of people have surrounded me and they're throwing stones at me, or they're all listening and clapping for me. I'm, I'm con I've learned how to be content either way. My contentment doesn't come from the outside in, but from the inside out. If you think of this, I have learned involves your mind. But then look what the next part he says. I've learned this whether I'm well fed. That's the body, right? Whether I'm well fed or hungry. When my body's comfortable, I can be at peace in my spirit. When my body's uncomfortable, because my, you know, my, my stomach is turning, or I have physical pain, or I know my body's wearing out and dying, I, I'm still able internally to be in a state of peace. And then Paul says, here's how this is possible. It's not through self-help, it's not through positive thinking, it's through Christ who gives me strength. And so really, if you look at this, Paul's talking about his body, we all have one, his mind, we all have one. And his spirit or his soul, we all have one. That's the eternal part of you. Here's the big idea that we're going to learn today. Christ's peace is always available. Just like it was available for that dad who I met who has brain cancer, who knows he's dying, and he's now in a, a state of peace in his spirit, even though his body's wearing out. It's available to you in the same struggles that you have. The exact same peace. It's, it's fully available. And I know, I know you're thinking, no, that's not possible. You don't understand what I'm going through. I don't pretend to. Um, but Jesus, as Ron so well unpacked for us last week, has been through that kind of suffering. And while he was not enjoying the pain, in his being, he was at peace. Christ's peace is always available. But I want to encourage you, it's a learning process to receive it. It's a learning process. Now, maybe you're one of those people that your moment of salvation was like, boom, giant dose of peace. You know, like you, you trust in Jesus, you turn from your sin, and it's just like a giant bucket of peace was dumped on you. And you, you've had those moments where you know that feeling, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. The peace that Jesus talked about when he said, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, which is outside in, circumstance-based, but my peace I give to you, which is inside out, based on Christ living in you. You've tasted it, but as you go through life, because we're in a fallen world, this world's not our home, all of our bodies will wear out and die. We learn in different seasons of life, in different tests and trials, to receive that peace 
in new ways in different seasons of life. And I want to give you a paradigm today that I think will help you because it helps me. I want you, when you lack peace, to think of yourself in these three peace components of you, that you are a mind, a body, and a spirit. Uh, because very often we lack peace in our body or our mind, and, and we say, well, why isn't God giving me peace? But it, it, it might just be that I drank too much caffeine, you know? <laughs> That's a possibility. I, I had too many Red Bulls or too much coffee, and I'm jittery, and I can't sleep, and I'm saying, God, why aren't you there? Why aren't you giving me peace? And it's because I've amped my body up, right? Is that God's fault? No, that, that one's on me. At the same time, if you have cancer, that's, that's not on you. That's on Adam and Eve and the fact that they sinned and that Satan came into this world to kill and steal and destroy and all of our bodies wear out. And so part of understanding peace happens in your mind, your body, and your soul is you learning to um, do what's best for your mind and body and ultimately find peace through your spirit when your body starts to deteriorate or your mind, if it's mental health, in ways that you can't control. But let's get into this. Here's the promise Really powerful promise as we continue in Philippians 4. My God shall supply all your needs from his riches, his glorious riches, in Christ Jesus. This is one of those verses that is worth memorizing. <laughs> Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all your needs, not just some of them. So this applies to the dad with brain cancer, right? Sometimes we have to redefine need. We would say, well, he needs to be healed. His faith has grown where he says, I need to trust that if I point my kids to Jesus in this, a hundred years from now, my kids and me, we're going to be back together in a place where I have a cancer-free body and where we will share dinners and meals and we'll laugh and we'll have hundreds of years and thousands of years. And, and so God's going to give him what he needs to get to heaven and what his kids need to get to heaven with him. And that's part of his growing of his faith. When we're young in our faith, we said, well, what I need is healing. As we mature in our faith, we realize what I, what I need is eternal life and the strength to make it through this life pointing people to Jesus. Now, here's the problem. We've got this beautiful promise, but the problem is this. We have ongoing needs. <laughs> you claim Philippians 4.19 and, and God meets a need and it's awesome. But you know what's unique about life on earth? We all wake up hungry every day. All your needs can be met today, and tomorrow morning you're going to wake up hungry again. You're going to need oxygen for your lungs again. We're going to need sunshine again. We're going to need rain again. We have ongoing needs. And while this is obvious in the physical realm, it's also true of our spirits. You have an ongoing need for peace, an ongoing need for freedom from anxiety, our bodies are constantly uh, healing themselves when they're healthy. We don't even realize how much we have an ongoing need for healing. You have an ongoing need for provision, for affection, for security. All our needs are met in Christ, we're told. But I want to be really real if you feel like, well, I don't feel like all my needs are being met. Guess what? I, I feel the same way often. I often feel that. And so our journey today is to ask God to kind of take us from elementary school to middle school to high school to undergraduate, all the way up to grad school, graduate level peace. God, I want to learn the peace that surpasses understanding. I want to learn peace for my spirit, peace for my mind as much as I can control it, peace for my body as much as I can control it. I want to see this promise that is already true, that all my needs are met in Christ, I want to experience. So for grad school, let me put it this way. You are three components, I've said this, but body, mind, and spirit. I want to dig into this a little bit because I have really experienced this in my life where I had a season of my life, I've told some of you this, where I was not taking care of my body. I was not sleeping enough. I was not eating any kind of healthy food. And as a result, I was having really, really severe migraines with stroke-like symptoms, and sometimes I would be hospitalized because I'd go numb on one side, I'd slur my speech. And, and, and it took a while to figure out what it was, but ultimately, I realized I wasn't taking care of my body. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. 
I wasn't controlling stress. I was letting myself stress out about things that I've had to learn. John, you can't stress about that or you'll end up in the hospital. You just have to let it go. So Christ's peace was always available to my spirit, but I had to learn to care for my body. And I, I want to... This is grad level, right? But I, I want to challenge you with this a little bit. Now, footnote, disclaimer, if you care perfectly for your body, it's still going to wear out and die, okay? So, so if, you're, if you're making an effort to eat right, sleep right, etc., and you still, you, my body's going to wear out and die, all of ours will. So I'm not saying, you know, you will be immortal in this world if you take care of your body. I'm just saying from my experience, there have been a lot of times where I've lacked peace, and it wasn't actually in my spirit, it was in my body. Does this make sense? And this is why it's important when we talk about peace, if you're in a place where you start to work on diet, exercise, you're getting enough sleep, and you're still, your emotions are all over the place, you should go to a doctor. You should get blood work. You should let a doctor know. Because sometimes our, our physiology can be off. We're in a world that's broken by sin. And just like we can get COVID and we can get cancer, our hormones can be off, our mental health can be off, and there is nothing wrong with utilizing the tools God's given us to get your body to the best state of peace it can be in. Now, a lot of non-Christians would agree with that, where, where we would then say, in addition to that, is your mind. And your mind, well, here, here's a slide on that, body, okay? On one hand, I know this body will fail, right? So I'm not eating right, sleeping right to try to live forever. But I know that God placed me on earth to do his work. And this is a tool to do his work. And so I want to take the best care of it I can so that I can run the race that God has for me and I can cross that finish line when I breathe my final breath and know I did my best to serve God and others. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, if you want to go deeper on your body and the spiritual, spirituality of your body. Next is your mind. Your mind, I mean, I'd love to do a whole series on this because your mind, it is the gateway to your spirit and your soul. Your mind is where your body, the physical you, and your soul, the eternal you, that's where they connect really is in your mind. Sometimes the Bible calls it your heart, but it's your mind and it's, it's your thoughts. And here's the thing, I'm convinced that most of us underestimate how much control we do have over our minds. Uh, you read scripture and over and over it'll say things like Colossians 3, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 119, one and over, God, I meditate on your word. Uh, if we're gonna have the peace of God, the assumption of scripture is there's a lot of intentionality around what we put in our minds. And I, I don't mean this as an excuse, but I truly believe, especially for our young people growing up right now, for our generation, I think of all the Christians, all of God's people going back thousands of years in human history. In some ways, we have it way easier, but I think when it comes to controlling our minds, we have more challenges than, than anyone else in history. That sounds like a broad statement, but I think it's true, because no one else had access to, I mean, thousands of pieces of information. And you can click on one thing and it can just take you down a rabbit hole through the algorithms of the software that's out there, whether it's YouTube or Instagram Reels or TikTok or whatever else, you click one thing and it's designed to engage your mind in an addictive way. And before you know it, an hour has gone by and it was all really kind of fun and felt good, but like what even happened? And so we live in this, we have these tools, so to speak, but tools can be dangerous for our minds where, let, let's summarize this, my mind will daily encounter things that steal peace. It's, it's just true. And, and if you're not a social media or a YouTube person where that's a struggle, maybe you're more like me where it's reading the news. I mean, I, I love reading the news. But it used, and it's good to know what's going on in the world. There's a balance there. But I can get really depressed when I hear about everything that's going on with Russia and Ukraine and you know, fewer people believe in God in the U.S. than ever, and this church failed at this, and that pastor failed at that. I can get really discouraged. This is why Scripture over and over tells us to intentionally fill our minds with Scripture, but there's a, another side of this. Intentionally reduce the thieves of peace in your thinking. There are thieves of peace. 
And so again, remember I said today is graduate, graduate level. You, you really want to walk in God's peace? Learn to be monitoring, whoa, whoa, wait, I'm not at peace. I'm not going to reach for something to eat. I'm not going to reach for a screen. I'm not going to call a friend. I, I'm, I'm going to pray for, for just a minute. I don't mean like a big, long spiritual prayer. God, is this lack of peace in my body? Oh, yeah, I drink way too much caffeine. I need to eat something, Right? Is this lack of peace in my mind? Oh, I did just finish watching a documentary about how the whole world is, you know, going to self-destruct. This lack of peace is in my mind. I better fill my mind with some scripture. Or, God, is this lack of peace in my spirit and in my soul? You guys understand the kind of graduate level that that we're getting to? And part of this is then, remember Paul said, I have learned You will begin to learn, if you ask the Spirit of God to help you with this, if you fill your mind with the Word of God, you will begin to learn you're watching something on the news or you're checking social media and all of a sudden it takes you down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 why do I feel, I just feel a lack of peace. Oh, it's because everyone I'm looking at is on an amazing vacation and I'm working my terrible job that I hate. Maybe I should stop filling my mind with that. And so I don't mean this in any kind of demeaning way, but what I mean is this stuff is like almost so simple that if we could step outside of ourselves and look at ourselves, right, like just sitting there scrolling through, we'd be like, hey, John, no wonder you lack peace. Like, look, look. And so I want to encourage you with this. There's so many things in this world that they're not overtly evil, but they fill our minds and they steal our peace. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 23, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Guard your heart. What is the heart in the Old Testament? It is the intersection of your mind and your soul or your spirit. It's right there. Guard your heart. Why? It determines the course of your life. So the thoughts that you allow yourself to think, the images you allow yourself to see, they will shape and lead your emotions which will shape and lead your decisions, which will shape and lead your life. And so that's why God tells us, more than anything, guard your heart. What you let in your eyes, what you let in your ears, I mean, have some self-dignity to say, my mind is valuable, my heart is valuable, so I'm only gonna let in things that will build me up and that will make me more like Christ, I don't want to go on about this for too long because I'll sound like an old codger. Um, but I do want to say this, and, and I'm, I'm just being super vulnerable. So when we lived in the Bay Area, a lot of um, my friends there, they work at Facebook, Google, Apple, etc. And uh, one of them is, is the CEO or was the CEO of one of these very large tech companies. And I sat with him uh, about a week ago and asked how he's doing. And um, they're moving out of the Bay Area because of some things that have happened to their kids. And um, he said, John, I I wish you could tell parents and teenagers how insidious some of these algorithms are on social media. And please, teens, don't panic. I'm not saying all social media is evil. But he, he told me this. He said, John, you know, parents should know if they just give a kid a phone and they're not, and, and the kid has unlimited access to it. They, pretty much what they've done is, if you think of the most evil person in the world um, who could whisper the most self-destructive things into the ears of your child, would you invite that person to come into your child's bedroom and sit on their bed next to him and put their arm around him and whisper into their ear how they should harm their body or other things? Obviously not. But he said, parents don't realize uh, if you just have an unlocked account on social media and parents aren't ever taking away the phones or there's no boundaries. Now, he's extreme. He'd say no social media. I know some of you would panic, so I'm not going to say that. But I just want you parents to know this is what a tech person. I, I'm always surprised when I go out there. The people who work at Google and Apple and Facebook, the high ups, their kids don't have phones. <laughs> it's kind of like cigarette executives in the 1950s, you know. Uh, because they know that these algorithms are designed to lure in the mind and they're addictive and it's biological to, to get addicted to these things. And what they know is that there are adults around the country 
who prey on, oh, a kid used that hashtag, I'm going to show up and like their stuff. And then when they follow me, I'm going to send them a message. And so (laughs) I'm probably freaking people out here. But I think you should be a little scared if you just give any person. None of us should just have unrestrained, unaccountable um, access to the internet um, because it's designed um, to put hooks in our minds and to drag us in a direction that ultimately is away from peace. So what I'm saying up here, it's not to make your life smaller, it's to make your life bigger and free. And what I would suggest for, for anyone you know, who's on social media, here's what I do. At nighttime, I put my phone in airplane mode and I leave it far away from my bed. If my kids are ever allowed to get phones, they don't right now, um, I'll be collecting them every night. They're not gonna be in their room alone on them. Um, I've had pediatricians from our church share with me that in our community, there are elementary kids who come in with major health problems and as the pediatricians dig into it, it's because the kids are up at night on their phone and they're just not getting enough sleep. So back to the body, the the kids are up looking at the glowing screen all night. These kids who need 10 or 12 hours of sleep are getting four or five hours of sleep night after night after night, and and then their body's getting sick, and they have all these disorders, and a lot of it is that they're not getting sleep. Um, So, okay. I'm so sorry, young people. (laughs) But please don't hear me wrong. Jack plays tons of video games. I play them with him. Um, which is awesome because I get to see the chat of middle schoolers all around the country. Um, And and it it helps me know some different lingo, which I won't try to use. But but, but it is surprising. One time we were playing a a video game, and there was a guy whose screen name was essentially Osama bin Laden. And so I just asked him, I was like, hey, what's with your screen name? He was like, well, with what I believe, he's a hero to me. Uh, and, and all the kids started talking about it, and I thought, wow, this is, this is interesting, <laughs> you know? He's definitely not a hero um, to me. <laughs> so, okay, I have gone way off the rails. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is this. God has this infinite source of peace for your spirit, but if your body's not at peace, so let's just use an extreme, you drink like five Mountain Dews and you're operating on two hours of sleep, obviously you're not gonna experience that. Similarly, Christ is this constant fountain of peace, but if my mind um, has been, and again, it's innocent, right? We're just like, this looks fun, this looks good. We're not like, I'm gonna get on the internet and do evil. And, and I'm not saying that the stuff is evil, but it can, just, it can so fill our minds that there's not room for the promises of God. Romans 12, verses one and two, says this. Don't be um, conformed to this world, a world where suicide's on the increase, divorce is on the increase, where um, violent crime is spiking, but be transformed. How do you be transformed? It's Romans 12, one and two, by the renewing of your mind. It, it, the mind is the gateway to the soul. And so guard your hearts. Guard the thoughts that you let in. Man, I was praying, because this is like my one week where the teens are in here and I get to preach and I just ruined it. I just totally <laughs> ruined it. But Okay, let's look at the third part of you, your spirit or your soul. And this is where it gets really deep, because you can be doing everything to, you know, okay, my body's not at peace, so I'm going to learn to eat right and sleep right and exercise. My mind's not at peace, I'm going to learn to monitor my mental intakes, and oh, you know, when I watch that or do that, it makes me feel this, so I'm going to stop doing that. By the way, the Holy Spirit will give you self-control for that, but also tell other believers. Tell your spouse, tell your small group, you know, guys, I'm reading too much news, or I'm, you know, this reels thing. It's like, I... I, I think of myself as a, a fairly disciplined, high self-control person, but Instagram reels, like I'll watch one, and before I know it, 35 minutes has gone. Because for me, it's all like classic cars, one after another, because it knows what, it figures out what you like, you know, and I'm just like, so is that evil? No. You know, does it make me covet more cars? Probably. Okay. But monitoring, like, how does that make me feel? Okay, so we're monitoring our body, we're monitoring our mind. Now, here's the deep part, the spirit of the soul. Because we live in a fallen world, our bodies will wear out. And because we live in a fallen world, just like some of us are born with cerebral palsy or with a chronic health condition, I have a nephew who has muscular dystrophy, so he's in a wheelchair 
Did he sin or do something wrong? No, Adam and Eve sinned. Satan came into this world to kill and steal and destroy. So all of our bodies are broken. And as a result, depending on kind of your hand of cards in life, the body that you've got and the mind that you've got, this struggle may be more of a struggle or less of a struggle. Some people are blessed with great health. And there's people who they don't even take care of themselves and they live 90 years. People interview them, they're like, how'd you live 90 years? They're like, well, I smoked every day and ate a lot of chocolate, you know? It's like, okay, you won the genetic lottery, all right? So, so how, con- controlling your body and mind is unique to you. It's different for each of us. But here's the deep part. Your spirit can be at peace even when your body is failing or your mind is failing because your spirit has the fullness of Christ. This is where it gets real profound. This is almost like we were talking graduate level, now we're up to PhD level, okay? And here's the reality. The Christians I've met who most get peace are often the ones who are in wheelchairs or the ones who have cancer. Because those of us who are healthy, what we do is we look to our physical health and our mental state of mind and we call that peace for our soul. The person who's stuck in a wheelchair who has a cancer diagnosis that they have a year left, they can't substitute their physical health for their soul peace. And they've had to learn PhD level peace, which includes, God, I fully believe that through Jesus' work on the cross and my faith in you, I will wake up in heaven when this body dies. And I fully believe that until you call me home to heaven, Every day that I wake up, you're going to give me the strength to love the people around me, to point those people to you. You'll give me the strength to do it. And and I don't pretend to be fully here. I've had enough health struggles that I've tasted this level of peace. But what I know, remember Paul said, I have learned, and it's a progressive kind of verb tense in the grammar. He's continuing to learn. And, And I've learned a little bit of this, like toddler level. That when my, body, when my body was at its lowest was actually when I learned the deepest soul peace that I could have. And you can have this when you've done all that you can for your body, when you've done all that you can for your mind, but your body's still falling apart or your mind is still restless at night. You can still have this deeper level peace. I think a big part of experiencing that peace is dependence. Uh, we were at the boardwalk. Um, that's like a, a big um, thing along the beach in California. And there's all these carnival rides. And uh, it was loud, hundreds of people. And my kids were on this carousel. So I was waiting for them to get off. And I look over and I see this little toddler who had gotten separated from uh, his family And for a long time, he was just crouched there all by himself. And I'm further away than this looks because I zoomed in with my phone. And I was kind of this moment of like, okay, if someone doesn't come soon, I need to go over there and and help this kid. And I kept watching, and then this security officer came up, and I wish I had gotten the picture sooner. Because the moment the security officer came up, she knelt down like this, and she just got right at his eye level. And for about a minute, she was talking to him just like that. I wish I had gotten that picture. Because as I was watching her, I was thinking, this is what God's always waiting to do for us. Like, we're, we're running about in life. We're getting churros and, you know, <laughs> cotton candy. And I mean that mentally and physically. And we're just like doing all these peace substitutes. He's just waiting for the moment where, where we just stop and we crouch down. And we call out for help. The peace is is there. But but if we don't stop, if we don't crouch down, if we don't call out for it, we don't experience it. Back to this promise. The promise, my God shall supply your needs from his riches in Christ Jesus. There's a lot more in here and I'm not going to cover all of it. But I just want to encourage you today, God wants you to have peace. Uh, In this world, Jesus promises peace that you can experience in your spirit, no matter what's going on with your body or your mind. 
Now, you know, Lord willing, hopefully, as you, you learn to take the best care of your body that you can, the best care of your mind, you're able to really go deep in the care of the Spirit. And then for all of us, the day, the time will come, or for most of us, unless we die suddenly, where we'll sense my body's deteriorating. I don't have the strength I used to have. I don't get over sickness as fast as I used to. And when that happens, is time to really start the PhD piece of, God, you, you give me peace in my spirit, even when my body is failing me. Get one of the final verses of this book and chapter, verse 23, Paul's writing to these dear believers, and he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I love it that he doesn't just say be with you, but be with your spirit. This, this peace, it's available to your spirit. John 1 verse 16 says this of Jesus, out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace or grace in place of grace already given. In other words, you get grace for one day and then you burn it up by sinning or worrying or totally ignoring it, in comes another load of grace. Like it just, it, it, it's free flowing. It's not a stagnant pond of grace. It's this free flowing brook or stream or spring or fountain of grace, we begin to realize and feel that all our needs are met in Christ when we give our lives to his work and look to him to fill our cup. And I, I didn't fully unpack that, but you read Philippians 4 and Paul's saying this promise that Christ will supply all your needs, it applies to you, one, because you believe in Jesus, but secondly, he's telling these Philippians You've supported the work of Jesus. You're serving. You're giving. It's when you're prioritizing the work of God that you can claim that promise. God will meet all your needs. And then, just like that toddler, crouch down, call out to him. Whenever you lack peace, call out to God. Make him your first call. Make him your first, eventually it'll become habit that you lack peace. And instead of reaching for a phone or reaching for a candy bar or reaching for something else, a credit card maybe, or whatever else, do it enough and it'll become habit that, oh, I'm lacking peace. Jesus, I just need to kneel down. I, I need your peace. I don't even know, I don't know if it's for my mind, my body, my soul. I just need it. I just need help. Help me, Lord. Whether we realize it or not, Jesus is actually all we need. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but hopefully you got a little taste of, he's all you need for your body, and that he will give you a new body in heaven. He's all you need for your mind. If you will renew your mind on scripture, it'll shape your emotions more than you think. He's all that you need for your spirit. And with that, I just wanna show you this video of the dad with the brain tumor. He shared and other people shared. And um, I had noticed through the week before I knew he had a brain tumor that he and his wife were doing sign language. And neither of them are deaf. And so I was wondering what that was about. And I. I realized as we're singing Amazing Grace and they start to sign that it's because the brain tumor is attacking the part of his brain that does speech, verbal speech. That's why he's learning sign language. And as I was meditating on, God, how do I help our people understand you can have peace no matter what you're going through? I look over as we're singing Amazing Grace when we've been there 10,000 years through many trials toils and snares I have already come. Your grace has brought me safe this far. Grace will lead me home. I look over and I see this guy who now stutters most of the time because of what's happening to his body, but he's found peace in his spirit. I see him sign-languaging these promises of God to his wife. Go ahead and take a look. his grace that brought me safe this far. God's grace has carried you through the things you've gone through already. Grace will lead you home. His grace is enough. Very often our receptors are closed and we're blocked off. We don't sense that it's enough, but it's there. It's enough. Let me pray for you today. Father, we want to learn 
to receive your peace. Jesus, we think of you agonizing on the cross. Your body wasn't at peace. Your mind was seemingly silent. You didn't say much. It took all you had to just be faithful. You were uncomfortable. You were in agony. You were in pain. And yet, your spirit was at peace. And now that same spirit through our faith in you lives in us. You can give us peace in chronic illness. You can give us peace in estranged relationships. You can give us peace when we grieve the direction of a society or a nation or the world. But Lord, we won't experience that peace if we're filling our mind with churros and cotton candy. Lord, make us a people. Teach us to renew our minds. Lord, I pray from our youngest elementary students to our 99-year-olds, make us a people who are setting our minds on things above. Teach us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, for every person in this moment, online or in this room, where they lack peace and it seems impossible, would you give them the PhD level peace in their spirit? Lord, we ask for healing for our bodies, knowing that even every healing is another patch on a temporary tent. We ask for healing for our minds. Teach us to monitor and cut off and amputate the, the screens and things that make our minds restless. Lord, the life you have for us is a life of green pastures for our soul, where we lie down in green pastures because we're letting you lead us, the good shepherd. Lord, I love your people here so much and I just pray over everyone today that, that your spirit would take these words and use them to graduate us to our next level of walking in peace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.